Shrek from DreamWorks is a fascinating inclusion to our fairy tale collection, precisely because it is in some way an anti-fairy tale, gently poking fun at traditional Disney tropes and fairy tale themes. Yet despite its humorous crudeness, the Shrek franchise has become an enduring classic with equal appeal to both kids and adults alike. For everything one may not like about Shrek, you cannot deny that these stories about the Scottish ogre have heart and hits home in surprisingly deep places. Today we'll explore some of this Shrek magic and we'll begin with the first movie, which, fun fact, actually won the first Oscars for Best Animated Feature and was also nominated for Best Adapted Screenplay. You're listening to The Myth Pilgrim and I am Brother Lawrence of The Missionaries of God's Love. At its heart, the spiritual journey is a delightful and perilous adventure just like the myths and fairy tales we love. This podcast is also a journey, learning from both wizards and saints, enchanted princesses and inner demons. Together, we'll discover how the great symbols of myth and fairy tale can guide us on our journey to God. So, Shrek 1 tells the story of a lone ogre named Shrek, who is rude, crude and nasty to anyone who tries to get close to him. The story is about him being forced to embark on a quest to save his swamp from being overrun by fairy tale creatures. Shrek was actually quite content living by himself there until Lord Farquaad, the diminutive ruler of Duloc, banishes all the fairy tale creatures of the land and they end up living like squatters in Shrek's swamp. In order to reclaim his home, Shrek strikes a deal with Lord Farquaad to go and rescue Princess Fiona, whom Farquaad feels he needs to marry in order to become a real king. She is at this time trapped in the highest tower of a faraway castle, guarded by a dragon. Shrek starts off on his journey, accompanied by an annoyingly talkative donkey named Donkey. (laughs) Along the way, Shrek and Donkey face various challenges in their friendship and work through many obstacles. When they finally reach the castle, Donkey is able to charm the dragon with his dashing compliments, as it turns out the dragon is a girl, while in the meantime Shrek manages to find Princess Fiona. Fiona is initially disappointed that her brave rescuer was an ugly ogre rather than a brave knight in shining armour, but Shrek doesn't care, he only wants to get her back to Farquaad so he can get his swamp back. And so a comedic sequence ensues as they make their way back, kicking and screaming all the way back to Duloc. Slowly though, Donkey opens Shrek up to the possibility of having a decent relationship, and he begins to fall for Fiona, who is one of the few people who can actually stand up to his selfish, stubborn ways. Then, through overhearing a D&M campfire conversation between Donkey and Shrek, Fiona also starts to warm to Shrek. Donkey, however, soon discovers that Fiona has a secret, that she actually transforms into an ogre when the sun sets and that she had been longing for true love's first kiss in order to set her free from this curse. Then there's a big misunderstanding slash fallout between Shrek and Fiona, and Fiona is convinced that she simply must marry Lord Farquaad now, instead of the ogre she was feeling real love for. So Shrek drops her to Lord Farquaad and makes to leave. But during Fiona and Farquaad's wedding ceremony, Donkey shouts some sense into Shrek, getting him to own his feelings and inspires him to interrupt the wedding at the last minute. Shrek does, confessing his love for Fiona. The sun sets and Fiona's curse is revealed to everyone that she is in fact an ogre. 
but Shrek and Fiona share a true love's first kiss, but instead of her transforming back into a beautiful human, Fiona permanently stays as an ogre. An enraged Farquaad tries to kill everyone, but the dragon, who has developed a fondness for Donkey, crashes through the church window and devours Farquaad. In the end, Shrek and Fiona marry in a swamp, surrounded by their friends and fairy tale creatures, and they all live happily ever after. So there's Shrek 1 the story in summary. From here on, I'm going to explore three themes of the movie that is worthy of Myth Pilgrim reflection. First is the spiritual significance of parody, and why a movie that inverts the fairy tale genre is so entertaining and profound. Second will be a reflection on the character of Donkey and what he exemplifies about Jesus' command to love your enemies. And thirdly will be how the movie invites us to examine the nature of love between friends. Let's begin. Part 1 The Spiritual Significance of Parody. Just for fun, let's make a list of the fairy tale stereotypes that Shrek the movie inverts. First of all, the main character is neither dashing nor beautiful, but rather ugly and crude who showers in mud, eats scrubs and wipes his bum with the pages of classic fairy tales. There's the character of Fiona, the beautiful damsel in distress, who we find out is actually an ogre, has a hot temper, and is anything but helpless, displaying fighting skills to rival Neo in The Matrix. Then the whole love at first sight trope is dashed when hero and princess first meet, and they actually hate each other and spend a lot of the movie actually misunderstanding one another and bickering. Then there's Lord Farquaad, the apparent heroic prince of the land, who turns out to be the beast of the story, rather than the ugly beast in the swamp, Shrek, whose heart is actually more human. Then there's the fierce dragon who turns out to have a soft heart, is feminine and forms a relationship with Donkey and plays a part in the deus ex machina at the wedding scene. Then there's the annoying sidekick character, Donkey, who proves to be not really a sidekick at all, but the heart and soul of the whole movie. But wait, there's more. The notion of the perfect life is inverted, not to be found in Farquaad's sterile, clean, cookie-cutter kingdom and haircut, but rather in the celebration of imperfection. And finally, there's the happily ever after, not being about newlyweds disappearing off into the sunset, but rather a wild party in a stinky bog. So, as well as keeping the story very interesting, you agree that all these parody inversions are funny to watch. It's like we delight in the fact that the norm has been flipped on its head. Our social psychologists tell us that the essence of humour is when the incongruous happens, where there is a mismatch between what is expected and what actually happens, or a mismatch between what should be and what actually is. For example, we find esteemed people who trip over while in ceremony rather funny, because they're supposed to be in control and dignified. We find cute parrots that start swearing in imitation of their owners funny, or at least I do, because <laughs> cute parrots are meant to sit quietly on the side and make cute sounds. Well, I might surprise you to say that this same sense of humour actually lies at the heart of Christianity, because Christianity is the greatest inversion in human history, and the greatest parody. Jesus breaks every stereotype. The Almighty God becomes a small baby. A king is born in a food trough. The saviour of the world dies on a cross. The greatest failure of mankind leads to a redemption. Look at the teachings of Jesus himself. The sinner becomes the saint. 
the first shall be last. The weak will lead the strong. Fishermen become popes. The persecuted are blessed. And the kingdom of God belongs to little children. Christianity turns the world upside down. It was always meant to. In the first lines of his now famous Catholicism series, Bishop Robert Barron actually opens by saying that the whole story of Christianity begins as a joke. For indeed, Jesus is the Messiah that the universe did not expect, the great hero that broke every stereotype of heroes. Yet the sheer incredulity of a carpenter being the saviour of the world is actually very akin to the incredulity of Shrek being the saviour of Duloc. And to the degree we struggle with this is the degree we relate to Princess Fiona, kicking and screaming that her Prince Charming, her Messiah figure, wasn't what she expected him to be. Perhaps we still long for Christ the Prince to charge in from heaven and take away our suffering, but instead we're given the ugly man on the cross, inviting us into his suffering. Before I become too carried away with all this humour inversion business, I'll drive home one more inversion that should rattle us as it did Princess Fiona. It is Jesus' command to love our enemies and to pray for those who persecute us. What a strange upside down thing to say. Indeed, did you know that before Jesus of Nazareth, not a single religious or philosophical teacher had suggested any such notion before? The closest teaching would actually be Judaism's eye-for-an-eye, tooth-for-a-tooth teaching, which is actually an encouragement not to seek revenge in anger, but only to use that anger to balance the scales instead. Here I want to suggest that Shrek offers a unique reflection as to why we should love our enemy, why we should love the ogres in our lives. And it isn't because they necessarily deserve it. No, rather, because people tend to see ogres rather than there actually being ogres. What I mean by this is, when we judge another person prematurely, we actually make them the thing we judge them to be. Words and thoughts are powerful and can indeed create reality. If a child is called useless enough by his parents, not only will the parents actually start believing the child is useless, but the child will start believing it himself, making him act in even more useless manner. When we judge, it changes reality. This dynamic is what happens to Shrek, who is cursed by the humans in the kingdom as the savage ogre. Yes, I know Shrek is literally an ogre, but that doesn't necessarily make him ogre-ogre, you know, like ogly, mean, cruel, savage. Rather, it was largely the people of Duloc that transformed him into this mold by their judgments. While we as the audience know that deep down Shrek is in fact a kind, innocent and faithful soul, even Shrek himself couldn't access this earlier because he was so compelled to act in an ogly manner. He simply accepted the lies that were spoken at him his entire life. That is, until Donkey comes along. Part 2 – A Reflection on the Character of Donkey we often assume that Christ's command to love our enemies means we have to suddenly feel warm and fuzzy feelings towards them. Not at all. Because for some people in our lives, especially those who've hurt us really badly, this is neither prudent nor emotionally possible. What Jesus' command can mean, however, is that we don't judge the book by its cover, per se. It means to suspend our judgement long enough to look beneath the ogliness of another, to see the hurt or scared person underneath, 
and to allow them to see it themselves. This is where Donkey's character is so profound. If there was one word I could use to describe Donkey's virtue, it would be the word inoffendable, or unoffendable, if that's even a word. It means that Donkey has the strength to withstand the barrage of Shrek's ugliness and rudeness, such as... Now, if you two are such good friends, why don't you follow her home? Shrek, I want to go with you. Hey, I told you, didn't I? You're not coming home with me. I live alone. My swamp. Me. Nobody else. Understand? Nobody. Especially useless, pathetic, annoying, talking donkeys. But I thought... Yeah, you, you know what? You thought wrong. While Donkey is clearly shaken and hurt by such insults, his virtue allows them eventually to roll off like water off a duck's back, not taking it personally and remaining strong in his character. Donkey exemplifies the heart of Christ to look past the exteriors of the leper, the bleeding woman, the criminal outcast, the treacherous apostles and even the violent demoniacs. If you haven't seen episode 1 of The Chosen, I highly recommend it for an example of what I'm saying here, where everyone else sees the demon-possessed Mary Magdalene as the untouchable ogre, Christ gently comes alongside and sees his beloved child. How might you and I be called to do the same for the ogres in our lives? Perhaps we can pray for a gigantic heart like Donkey, to learn to be both unoffendable but also firm where we are called to be. Now a small word of caution though, this expression of loving one's enemy does not mean that we become doormats for toxic people to walk all over us, nor does it mean we persistently satellite people who demand to be left alone. Rather, what is worthy of imitation in Donkey is less his literal actions and more his heart. As the famous Shrek analogy goes, we are like onions, we all have layers. This means that all of us are complex and mysterious, even to ourselves, and a wise person never just stops at the exterior skin. The fact of our onionness flies in the face of cancel culture and the toxic character assassinations that take place on social media, that loves to create ogres out of people and rally the masses to get out their pitchforks and rocks. This is very immature and sad, for even the very worst of us are still layered like an onion complex and mysterious. How can we not be, if we are truly made in the image and likeness of God, and God himself is part mystery, then each person too will always be part mystery. If you're enjoying this episode of The Myth Pilgrim, do consider sharing it with your friends so that we can together encounter God veiled in our favourite tales. I'm always open to your feedback and ideas too, so always feel free to contact me on The Myth Pilgrim Facebook page or through the website at themythpilgrim.com. Thirdly, a reflection on the nature of friendship love. Warts and all, one can still argue that Shrek still looks like a fairy tale love story, for in the end, the prince and princess get married happily ever after, amen. However, the development of that love story is not really where the emotional pull of Shrek lies, and indeed, one of Shrek's subversive counters is to move the love story away from romance and onto friendship love, 
namely that between Donkey, Shrek and Fiona, where most of the story lies. Some of you know that C.S. Lewis has written a famous book called The Four Loves, based on the four different types of love distinguished by the ancient Greeks. These loves are Storge, which is affectionate family love, Philia, which is friendship love, Eros, which is romantic love, and Agape, which is divine love. Unlike our narrow modern understanding of love, which is pretty much always romantic love of Eros, the ancient Greeks actually emphasized and elevated friendship love, philia, as one of man's greatest assets and highest achievements. I might add here that these guys knew what they were talking about because Greek wisdom has shaped the world like nothing else. See, wholesome friendship, like the type shown between Sam and Frodo in The Lord of the Rings, Red and Andy in Shawshank Redemption, and Donkey and Shrek in Shrek, is so enduring because it is so missing in our culture today. I know that multiple studies in Australia have revealed that, that many young working professionals struggle with a consistent social life, and almost a quarter of men in their 40s could not name one friend they considered close. Yet, whether you're speaking from a religious or psychological perspective, we are made for connection. We do possess that proverbial love tank that needs to be filled. But the issue today is that many of us think that the only way the love tank can be filled is through romantic love, when in fact a large portion of it is actually reserved for friendship love, or in Greek, philia love. Is friendship love any less great than romantic love? If you look at the effect Donkey's friendship had upon both Shrek and Fiona, you'll see that it was the most transformative and stabilizing experience in both their lives. With Shrek, it opened up literally the entire world, challenging him to come out of his shell, taught him forgiveness, and enabled him to share his life with not only another person, but the entire kingdom of magical creatures. The story begins with an ogre in the swamp and ends with an ogre in the swamp, but the transformation that had taken place by the end was pretty much through the catalyst of Donkey. Then there's Princess Fiona. It was Donkey that was the first person in her life to not be startled by her ogreliness. It was Donkey that burst the whole true love's first kiss fantasy that Fiona had been carrying all these years. And it was Donkey that set up husband and wife together before they even became husband and wife. The catalyst of all this transformation was the side-by-side -side friendship of Donkey. In the final analysis, friendship love is not at all inferior to romantic love even though our culture often presents it this way. Rather, the potency of both loves are the same, though they are expressed in different ways and often with different feelings. If even Jesus himself had his inner sanctum of friends in James, John and Peter, how much more do all of us as we traverse the mad terrain of life? So, as we draw near the end of this episode, let us reflect upon the place of friendship love in our lives. Let's evaluate what value we place upon them and what we can do to nurture it. Perhaps it'll mean being more intentional about making time for our friendships or reaching out to someone you want to connect with deeper. Now, I'm no social butterfly to say the least, but I can promise you that any friendship worth its salt needs to be worked upon and massaged and tempered. It doesn't just happen especially in our busy, distracted culture. Perhaps reconciliation needs to happen first before a friendship can flourish again, as it surely did between Shrek and Donkey a few times. 
However you choose to develop filia friendship love, let's do what we can to restore its rightful place in our lives, and in doing so, trust that incredible things can happen to us too, as it did for Shrek. On that note, dear friends, journey forth, take care, and God bless.